It's like, how do you tell somebody how it feels to be in love? How are you going to tell anybody who has not been in love how it feels to be in love? You cannot do it to save your life. You can describe things, but you can't tell them. But you know it when it happens. That's what I mean by free. I've had a couple of times on stage when I really felt free. And that's something else. That's oh. really something <laughs> else. Like all, all, like, like, I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really, no fear. If I, if I could have that half of my life, no fear. Lots of children have no fear. That's the closest way, that's the only way I can describe it. That's not all of it. But it is something to really, really feel. This is when we say something funny. <laughs> just to start off the episode. <laughs> um, but I don't think, both of us just looked at each other and was like, are you going to start, are you going to start? Nah, I ain't got no smart shit to say right now. Um, I'm not a full-time comedian. <laughs> I wish I was a full-time comedian, man. I'm an opportunist <laughs> comedian. Like, I think when talking to me, my humour just comes up. You know, like, it's something that just comes up naturally. I can't, you know, think of a joke or something like that. And this is like a really corny dad joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Me. Me who? Me. Me who? That's it, me. I thought we'd at least get a little giggle. I got a smile at no. least. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? Doctor. Doctor who? <laughs> <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Hi guys, thank you for enduring that minute of awful dad jokes with us. Um, hello, this is We Have No Idea. My name is Chiku. My name is Sunzaini. How, how is everybody doing? Um, they're doing well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, but yeah, um, it's been good i've been good how's your week been uh my week's been good um i spent it working it was a bank holiday so here's an nursery work oh while some true. people were chopping life some <laughs> people were chopping, were chopping life, life. Whole life. <laughs> i'm never joking this working thing has made me appreciate bank holidays so much i had wednesday off not Jesus. wednesday i had friday off i went on a hike mm. longest experience of my life i've noticed as well um i work on ncs so every year we take the kids on a hike and it's like six hours so they can be proper bear girls yeah and just sow their oats and like get be one with nature like i go through every single emotion when i go on a hike first it's like <laughs> this is gonna be amazing mm-hmm. i'm getting fit okay i'm tired i'm tired if i die now am i still going to heaven if i just decide to collapse on the floor i'm, I'm finished i am done it is over jesus died for me why am i doing this like mm-hmm. what sort of enjoyment am i getting into this and it got to um the last bit where we were going over some hills mm-hmm. oh um it's just like one away and i was like cool 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 we got to that next one and he's like no it's just over there and i looked at him like bro like if it's not the next one like we're gonna have to fight that's what's gonna have to happen right now <laughs> I like this is just not God's purpose in my life. Um, so we finally finished. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. The hike in the end. We got to his hop. We took a picture. As you can see it on my Insta if you really want to. Um, and then afterwards we, we kind of like went to a pub to get some food. So the pub was like 
30 minutes away, but it was a much more easier stroll. So we kind of got there, we ate our food there, we were done. And then I was like, oh, so um, what's, when's the next train? And he was like, oh, it's in about like hour, 15 minutes. I was like, cool. And I was like, okay, how far are we from the train station? Mm-hmm. He was like, we're an hour away. And I was looking at you like, so after a belly full of food, I'm now going to sprint one hour, 60 minutes <laughs> to a train station. <laughs> so. We literally like I was power walking because I was like, is this if this is the last train out of this place, I know how get out started. I don't make it out of here. Um so we literally power walked all the way. Giggles, <laughs> 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 it made him laugh as well. Um I literally power walked out of the countryside to this train station. We got there with nine minutes to spare. But oh my god, it was it was it an experience. Was, it was a lot. It was actually a lot. Like my body, like I can feel everything is just torn up. It's just snatched like that. But like I'm deep in my life. Like was it worth it to be going through that high blood pressure? Well, do, did you feel mentally cleansed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have just gone to a spa instead though. That's not that. My friend, a spa is expensive. Exactly. Very expensive. Very expensive. Uh, walking is free. There you go. Nature. Speaking of exercise, I took Tandy on a jog. Oh yes, um, I saw it. Yes, last night. Um, because we live near the woods, so I took her into this like quite secluded part of the woods yeah. where basically it's quite scary. It looks like the start of any horror film. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and I literally turned to her and I was like, "This is how horror films start. We die first. We're black, mate. We need to, you know, run." And um, I used that as a motivator, and she kept running. And when she got home, she was like, my chest, my chest, it's on fire. Do you know what's really, really dead cheeky about her? Yeah. Um, so we got to like this top top of the hill thingy towards my house, right? And I was like, okay, whoever gets home first has um, does not have to do the dishes. Yeah. Who gets home last has to do the dishes. Bam! My girl turned into more Farah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she knew that like we're playing for proper things today. Without playing for like stupid boy change. No, 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 no. It's no. proper. She ran and I was like, raw, when did you die like 30 seconds ago? Like, what's going on? You wish you hadn't made that bet. When you, she takes off, you're like, wow, she was saving it. Do she was saving the energy. To be fair, I knew that I was going to do the dishes anyway. Oh, first. Yeah. I, it was one, like that one, like, you know. Motivator, motivator. just so you could finish quicker. Yeah, so that I can help her finish quicker. And, um, she hated it. She hated every minute minute of it. But then I think she appreciates whenever I say I'm going to the gym. She appreciates it because when I came home and I was like, oh, I want to do something else, and she, she just looked at me like, what the heck? But yeah, that was really cool though. Yeah. Exercising with your sis. Oh yes, good family bonding time. Um, what were we on? Bank holiday. Yeah. Had two barbecues as well, which was oh, really Jesus good. Christ. Living lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got took into the middle of the woods as well when we go back to forest. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna see it. We're gonna be like. Because everybody just goes to normal park with grasses, but no, we're gonna like go for an adventure and stuff. So here I was, long maxi dress, sandals, looking cute, mm-hmm. and I'm here trekking with the thorns and the bushes and the grass and the squirrels. Mm-hmm. Um, the spot we ended up was like very nice, but like next time the boys made me prepared for these sorts of scenarios. But the boy, look at it though. But the boy makes the time and effort. I know. I just wish that. you could have told me to wear trainers instead. Though. Okay, maybe next time, just say next time I'll be like on your vans or something. Yeah, yeah. Just but we appreciate some time and effort. Wow, you call him a king. Well, a young king. Young king. Young king. Young king. Did you hear that, brother? Mm-hmm. Young, oh. young king. You know what? Actually, because his head this is gonna start disrespecting me because he thinks that I like him now. <sighs> oh. 
Okay, I need to bring back the the sass yeah. affairs. Oh no, even um, one of the guys at church as well mm-hmm. um, basically had like the dad talk with him. Mm-hmm. Of, like, because um, everybody always used to joke that like I was his daughter because somebody got us mixed up one day. So every time someone asked me, I was just like, yeah, I'm his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he basically gave Robin the dad talk, which mm-hmm. was like just super hilarious as well. He was like, make sure you tell Cheeky that I told you and we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. So he's got like number 31 on the list as well of people oh, going to find him. Oh, but no, he's a good egg, so yeah. he'll be fine. You'll be alright. <laughs> alright. <laughs> that does come out. Um, so, what's happened in the news that caught your eye, my love? Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm the, the one who's got some stories. Yeah. Oh, damn. Nearly, right? <laughs> okay, I'll try to read the news this week. <laughs> not successfully. No, not really. Um, but no, something did catch my eye. I think it was on Good Friday mm-hmm. where a journalist was killed in Ireland. She got um, caught in the crossfire from the rebels, I think. Yeah, or is it the new IRA? I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, the new R- I- I- IRA. Yeah, um, I understand the history behind that is quite sensitive and like a lot of things like really went down. Like we have an Irish friend. Yeah, Sash. And um, she did message into our group chat, like, just like pray over the situation because, to be quite honest, a life was lost. And I just read a, a brief headline which said the preacher, um, no, the preacher or the father, what are they called? The priest? The, yes, the priest, the yes, yeah. yeah. The priest condemned politi- um, the political parties in Ireland for them to actually to take, it took a death of an innocent life. It took like it took her death for those political parties to actually come together and mm-hmm. unite and i was like that that shouldn't have been the case someone's daughter should have not been killed for, for you guys to, to fix it for you guys to get it together mm-hmm. and um i think he was right condemn condemn yeah uh, condemning them yeah yeah so yeah that caught my eyes in the news oh, for sure yeah. and just the whole situation that's happened there mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been something like the good friday agreement was yeah the british min- did meant to stop this happening and then it happens on good friday mm-hmm. it's just yeah yeah it just all needs to stop yeah because um what happened over the, especially i think during the Easter period, period um the in the, sri lanka in the sri lanka situation that that's really heartbreaking like, i know that was the death tolls literally over 300 people yeah as well because wow. like literally on my phone i'm seeing the headline after headline after headline one said um one of the bombers or one of the suspects um was educated in the uk um they came from like wealthy families and um i think some terror organization have claimed responsibility for it as well mm. and i'm like seriously the level level yeah. of disrespect for sure it's more just dis- more than disrespect it's just oh man Ugh. It's it's a yeah it's a very strange world we live in at times. Um, but I guess on to a different point, our Black Excellency of the Week. Yeah. Um. So that was me this week. Mm-hmm. So I have chosen Ala Saha, mm-hmm. um, and she was one of the I guess unofficial leaders when it came to Sudanese revolution that happened, mm-hmm. and they overthrew her president. So one of the um, nowadays we live in a very like Instagram culture, photo culture, and I just saw the picture of her standing on top of a car and basically leading the people in chanting, leading them in kind of protesting the situation that was happening. Mm-hmm. I just found like it's so poetic that in countries that I guess people feel as are quite male dominated that women's voices are being heard oh, and equally the men were respecting her with yeah. the authority that she stood with mm-hmm. and just the way in which she was dressed, like the whole um, she was wearing um, all white, everything. She was wearing all white, but it was like a um, head to toe 
um traditional attire yeah traditional attire like islam attire mm -hmm. and just i guess everyone always sees it as in a certain sort of way but just the way in which she wore it and the presence that she carried in that atmosphere i just found it super poetic and definitely like she's one of those african leaders who's definitely stepping up and she never wanted that role but it, just the way in which she carried herself mm -hmm. she kind of demanded it and respected it because of the position that she was in yeah so um she's my black excellency of the week and just everything that's happening with sudan we just pray that they have a really good transition mm -hmm. and doesn't kind of lead to militant inland fighting when it comes to like the military mm -hmm. or whichever political party so i just pray that's a smooth transition yeah and that democracy will prevail in the end yeah awesome mm -hmm. um amen yeah um so today's episode we are focusing on queenie mm -hmm. um and we're just discussing some of the themes and topics that surround it. Um, so, Sense, could you give us an introduction as to what the book is for people who don't know? Okay, this book was wrote by Candace Carter-Wright, I believe. Yep. That's her name. I might be wrong. Well, Google it. Correct me. Like, send us slide in our DMs to let me know if I got it right or not. Anyway, um, Queenie Jenkins is a 25-year-old Jamaican-British woman living in London, um, struggling two cultures and slothing neatly in together um well into neither english wow. is not your first language you can tell this was written by chiku okay, okay. i'll let her do it let's go again so yes. queenie jenkins is a 25 year old jamaican british woman living in london straddling two cultures and slotting neatly into neither she works at a national newspaper where she's constantly forced to compare herself to her white middle class peers after a messy breakup with her long-term white boyfriend queenie seeks comfort in all the wrong places including several horrendous men who do a good job of occupying brain space and a bad job at affirming self-wealth mm -hmm. as queenie questions her life she finds herself wondering what are you doing why are you doing this who do you want to become all these questions um all of these questions today's woman must face in a world trying to answer them for her. With fresh and honest prose, Queenie's remarkable, relatable exploration of what it means to be a modern black woman searching for meaning in today's world. Great. Um, so yeah, I think that's like quite a good synopsis. Like mm -hmm. obviously if you read it, it goes into much deeper terms of what it's about, but um, some of the themes, is there one point you want to start on or should I get going? Um, so I saw an interview that Candice did, Miss mm -hmm. Candice did, and um, the DJ asked her, it was like, oh, is this like kind of like a new British, um, I mean, Bridget Jones, Jones yeah. um, type of book? And she was like, no, it's too political to be like that. Yeah. And it just, and she was like, I feel like Queenie's story is more, first of all, it is political. It's very, very real. Mm -hmm. um, the themes are very, very sensitive. So if you are, you know, tender-hearted maybe this is the time to switch off sorry because it goes really into really heartbreaking and heart-wrenching stuff that um when listening back to it again i actually had to you know like i wanted to skip a few parts because that's how awful some of the experiences that she goes through yeah and yeah. i feel as though it's definitely relatable but it's just some things we don't speak about not even when it comes to like black african caribbean culture but just culture in general mm -hmm. there's some things that we don't speak of mm -hmm. um and like one of those points being um the casual racism so one thing that was highlighted is that um she used to always have christmas or like the big get-togethers with Tom's family, which was her boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was an uncle who always used to speak about casual racism. Like, one of the 
um, points that they spoke about is um, they did like a white tops versus dark tops game mm-hmm. and she was wearing a white dress so she went over to the uncle and was like oh it looks as if I'm a team with you mm-hmm. and she was like um, I don't think so because let's be honest she's more dark than white aren't you mm-hmm. and then she kind of looked around for them to support she looked at her boyfriend's support and nobody said anything they kind of did that awkward giggle when yeah. everybody just yeah. kind of justifies the uncle's actions by mm-hmm. saying oh that's just who he is da 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 um, and I was triggered by that, not gonna lie. Oh, so. Like, seriously, I was triggered by that. Like, there's so many moments when um, she is with his family mm-hmm. and this, the things that they do, and Tom, the boyfriend character, his complacency, yeah. that triggered me. I was like, what the absolute heck? Because here's the thing, right? He's dating a black woman, yeah, and you know that your family has casual racism, racism right first of all give her heads up second of all have her back third thirdly he was like oh one of the things that he said to her he was like i feel like you feel as if the world is against you and it's difficult for me to stand up for you if you think that world is my family so he chose his family over and their her. casual racism over her mm. and i just sat there and i was like nah mm-mm like, like that's the I think that's what, that's what pisses me off when she's whining about him. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, he's trash. He's trash. He's actually trash. Absolutely Even trash. like the uncle used the word N word in N-word. regards to her, and I'm like, in your head, that should let you know, because in it's not even the situation of racism. Like, if something was to come up, yeah. Like, let's say a dude was trying to fight you, would he step up? No. No. And I think, um, on, I'll bring up another theme later that I felt was related to this, but I just. Oh, just his complacency and just yeah. like, that's just how they are. He's like, oh, you know how passionate you get, Queenie. Not everything passionate. has to be passionate. I'm like, fuck. Passionate. At least he said passionate and not yeah, angry. Really not angry. Um, even like when they broke up, he was like, oh, that shit that you pulled at my mom's party. I was like, the girl left your mom's party because your uncle said the N word at her and that is on no level like you have to accept as we accept that like i guess in my part like i'm in an interracial interracial relationship mm-hmm. that's some things that i don't understand and when he comes into a space where let's say it's just all african or black people some people might give have a perception of him and it's on me to check those people yeah it's like no this is my guy if mm-hmm. you even try to do some sort of disrespectful mm-hmm. stuff like you're gonna have me to like answer to you mm-hmm. and they know that there's just some things that you just don't say mm-hmm. fair enough they might think it but like that disrespect will not be done to my face yeah. or said to me and even if they sit behind my back I'm for sure going to check them yeah. and you expect that same to be done on the other side yeah. because one some people might just be ignorant to the fact that they haven't met somebody like this properly and therefore they have to acclimatise but you can acclimatise by not being an idiot yeah um, and I, I don't know, like, I get that, and I think that's the other thing, even, like, we understand that whenever you're in a relationship, right, mm. Some sometimes your partner and your family just not going to get on, like, yeah. just not going to get on, but then I think I've all, maybe I'm being naive, but I feel like, as a person, so, for example, if I know that, like, my family doesn't like him, mm. it's my job to work on getting my family to like him and vice versa Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you chose this person you chose to be with this person right and like for example if you were to face such a situation because i feel like i hope and i pray that he actually does stand up for you and you stand up for him like you said before and also like within now like your mom and dad may have had uh, a completely you know different kind of person that they wanted you to end up with but then 
at the end of the day, you chose to be with him and yeah. you're bringing him home. And when bringing him home, you lay down the facts to your mom and dad and be like, yeah. okay, this is the person that I like. Da, 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 da. He's giving me a chance type of thing. If he's going to be trash, so now or later, you show his trashiness and you can just like go your own different ways. Yeah. But the fact that that broke my heart even more is that she started to say queenie she was like oh maybe i shouldn't have reacted that way maybe i did too mm, much and questioning and um when she there was a bit where she um she'd walked out of the mum's birthday party yeah because she'd been called the n-word and she was waiting at a bus stop mm-hmm. and then he came over to find her he was like um it's the bit where she left the house and he didn't follow her yeah she was like am i in the wrong because he hasn't come after me yeah and i was like no the fuck you not and mm. Uh, I was all sorts of triggered. I was truly all sorts of triggered. Um, this episode, episode um, with this book, and I just, I didn't like the way she was treating him, because as much as though he was putting her in a box, mm-hmm. she was making um, him her, her white savior. Oh god, yeah. Which was so true. And there's certain bits that um, before she'd say just like, oh yeah, like um, when she had Christmas at home with her mm-hmm. grandparents, it was like the first time in three years because she'd always been with Tom. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, it's never going to be like him with him again. And I'm like, well, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, they they can still have turkey, you can still have jollof, you can have like mm-hmm. jerk chicken and everything at your house yeah. with your grandparents. You can have plantain, as Jamaican say, it's plantain, by the way. <laughs> and she was comparing everything to his family as his family were the goal of like, what to reach for even the whole thing of um him giving her money Mm -hmm. like she'd placed such a value complex on him that this is the best she's ever gonna get Mm -hmm. so i think she was wrong in that regards because she was holding him to such a high standard Mm -hmm. that like he was the goal and like she'd lost out on like the grand prize Mm -hmm. because i think one of the things that she does even go into is like um how she didn't open up to him and maybe Mm -hmm. that's what pushed pushed him away and how she persistently and continuously um, pushed him away to me it's like here's the thing when you've gone through trauma as you as you read on as you listen on Mm -hmm. the level of trauma that she went through nobody should pressure you to open up until you're ready until you've earned that level of trust i understand you were together for three years if you guys if you thought that this is it this is the end game like this is the love of my life i'm gonna marry you Mm -hmm. be patient enough that maybe in 15 years time she will eventually open up about that part of herself uh, because she feels like she can trust you but the fact that he persistently pressured her and and yes, I understand. Like, yeah, yeah, relationships take um, give and take. Yeah. But at the same time, nobody should pressure you into like burying all of your secrets in one go. Because at the end of the day, mm. those things sometimes they make who you are. Those things you're still trying to figure them out. You're still trying to heal from them. You're still trying to recover from yeah. them. And when you when you when you've said those things out loud, and this person is just waiting for you to like. Is she okay now? Is she healed? Is she healed? That adds a certain level of pressure that you actually mm. end up doing so much. Um, you end up healing for him, not for yourself. Yeah. And that way, it's superficial to a certain extent where it's actually not real, it's not authentic. Mm. Whereas, um, if you're going to go through some sort of healing, whether through counseling, the therapy type of situation, um, do it in your own time. I know. And, like, the biggest theme with this was just self-esteem, I think. Oh, yes. Like, even... Th- 
in the relationship, you could see that she placed all her value in him and oh what God, he yeah. thought of her, and she needed him to say yes, she needed him to say acceptance. And I'm sure there was a bit at the start in the um, podcast, and it said there was some sort of like abuse mm-hmm. that happened at a young age, and it happened yeah. because of a black man. Oh, Therefore, all the people she was dating was now white, white men. men. Yeah. Instead, because she kind of felt a comfort and she felt as though she might not have been hurt. Yeah. In that regards, and her self-esteem is just something that kind of kept getting battered. So once she broke up with Tom, mm-hmm. she basically just went into a load of um, just purely sexual relationships with just different men that she met off Tinder. Not even different. She went through a phase of being a sexual object. Yeah. Not relationships. She was an object where I think one of the guys that she slept with, actually that was he, that was actually violent sex. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to it, I, I grimaced so much because I was like, you should not feel that level of pain the way that she was describing yeah. it and um, the bruises even when she goes into the sex clinic where they're like actually this is a sign of violent sex are you part um, are you getting abused are you getting you abused are you being pimped out and saying uh, <sighs> Mate, she was being vi- like she went through this violent sex and the sex that she had was from a white guy that <sighs> it was completely oh. mental or even um even some of the healthcare professionals, I'm saying from your perspective, what did you think of that? Because oh. there were some comments that I thought were a bit shady. Yeah. They were very shady. Even, for example, when um, she went in about the violent mm-hmm. sex, they were just like, um, as you know, women from like an Afro-Caribbean background are More twice likely. as likely to be in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in the sense of healthcare professional, you have to do your job and advise. Like, if you feel there's an issue, say so. But why was that statistic needed to be brought in? If I was that healthcare professional, if I was that nurse and somebody came like that, because I am a black woman, Mm -hmm. I would feel comfortable saying that, but more like, not on her, does that make sense? Sit there and be like, you know that women who look like us, you know that within our culture, we're more likely to go through abuse and da 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 type of thing. You know that we're here, we can talk to you. And I suppose it's having that person that you can actually talk to, so that person who can I don't know, it, it, it highlighted the importance of having a diverse workforce within mm. the healthcare professional because I can relate to a black person completely different to my white colleague and my white colleague can relate to a white person completely different. That doesn't doesn't change how you should treat patients, that doesn't tr- change how you tr- should treat people that you're looking after. Yeah. But there's a certain level of, um, you know, you get it. Like, for example, I did a placement where a kid came in after self no it wasn't self-harming she had tried to commit suicide mm-hmm. through typos before typos was a thing that kids drank on the internet and they gave us like a brief session and when when we interviewed her she didn't want to say anything she didn't feel comfortable saying anything and she was nigerian like parents from nigeria but um british born i think and i just remember um at the end going back to her and be like i understand you don't want to talk right now um you don't feel comfortable disclosing as to what happened why you're here and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but do you know this it does get better don't end your life because it does get better um because to be that young and actually want to end your life i just sat there and i was like look at me like um i'm not saying like i went through that experience but i was like if it's any consolation Consolation, if it's anything look at me i am here i'm a young black girl doing my job trying to make sure that you feel heard trying to make sure that actually 
you know there's somebody out there fighting your corner and mm. i me going out of my way doing that that's not required for my job yeah. my mentor the person that i was with the lead profession that i was with he didn't do that because i just i don't know I it's felt a like, level that yeah, they can't get on is yeah it? like i just felt it felt it in my spirit to just like talk to her not as a nurse mm. just as another black girl and i just spoke to her and i was like i don't know if he was effective or not i may never know but you know what sitting down and actually having that conversation with her i'm i would like to think that i made her feel seen i made her give i give her some level of hope mm. i made her feel like your feelings what you're going through is justified it is enough because it, that's one thing that we do well in the black community to diminish um emotional trauma yeah and, and classify it as oh this is a personality trait now nah, mate like no it's mm. not it's not it's not um and even when going back into the book when she tells her grandma that she's going to therapy her grandma kicks off and her granddad is like we should talk more and i was like yeah it, granddad that's when when it came to grandparents yeah. as well their role was very different so you can tell from it that she has a strange relationship with her mother oh, yes. as she was primarily brought up with her grandparents and her auntie and her auntie and i found the grandparents and Sometimes I'm like, oh, you shouldn't say that, but all in all, I found them to be good because it seems as though they were the only constant in her life, yeah. and she really did cling to them yeah. hard, um, and just their continuous wanting. And I think they could tell that Queenie never wanted to be around them, yeah. and to a certain extent, she's felt ashamed of them and their background. Yeah just where she came from because again she was aspiring to be part of tom's family aspiring to go have like the pigs and blanket have the turkey have like the perfect summer holidays and everything which she didn't get to do when she was with her grandmother Mm -hmm. because of just generally that's just how life was Mm -hmm. and one thing i've started to see is just people kind of starting to resent the struggle that they came from Mm -hmm. i remember there was a conversation had at one time and um somebody was just like um yeah so i went back home and i just realized these aren't the people for me like these are not the people who i should be surrounded by and I'm not sure how it was intended but with me I was just thinking that like we should always be proud of the background that we came from it might not always been the wealthiest we might have not always had everything but there's some there's like a richness there's a development that you get by going through a struggle or going through the struggle or seeing your parents hustle that hard just to get you to a better place and there's always I feel like now we're in the new age everybody wants to be like for everyone wants to be free, everyone wants like lots of money, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, da da da. Mm-hmm. But pe- people don't want to recognize the hustle, especially as immigrant parents, that they mm-hmm. came here mm-hmm. and had sacrificed a lot of things. And our parents have been through some trauma mm-hmm. that feels like we will never understand, and that might be the reason they act some certain types of way. Um, but I think, again, she diminished her par- her grandparents' and auntie's struggles quite a lot yeah. because she was trying to attain something that she felt as though she was was meant to be hers, but she was never connected to. So she approached it from more of a Western perspective and left the West Indian Yes, literally. Because, um, interesting you say that about parents and things like that. Like, I had a conversation with my mum last mm. night and we're just talking about... Uh, my mum had me when she was quite young and we're just talking about, like, the expectations that the, they had on her, like, yeah. their parents. So, finishing school and getting married, that was the norm. That was the okay thing because guess what? That's what was okay then. Yeah. And she did finish school and went on to get married and had me and all that kind of stuff. And whereas... I don't have those expectations. Mm-hmm. They haven't placed those expectations upon me. Like they'll be like, finish school, and then what do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? And then it gets to a point where she's like, Am I ever gonna have grandkids? And I'm like, Yeah, give me like you know ten years or something like that. And she's um, within that because she understands 
that my culture, where I am now, where I am raised now, I am more empowered, I have more knowledge, I have God within me that actually helps me to make different choices from when the ones that, um, not, not that they were forced on her, but were encouraged by the society in which she grew up in, yeah. right? And when coming into the Western society, there's a certain level of understanding that she would never place pressure on me to get married, because she was like, one thing that I don't want you to do is get married young because you don't fully know who you are, mm-hmm. you don't fully know yourself, and once when the, the older you get the different you make different choices and you become a different person as well so yeah and within that like i am proud of the sacrifices that my parents grandparents and everybody yeah. within people have gone through like i always pay a homage to people who've opened and paved the way for me either within my family either within society as a whole like um the feminist movement the civil rights movement you know the black panthers and all that kind of stuff i am truly truly grateful for that because they paved the way for me to be where, where i am and now in 2019 as a young black woman i would like to pave even a brighter future for people who look like me yeah people who are like me going forward and that's either like you know seeing more people like in leadership positions seeing more people who look like me in places where actually you can feel hurt within mental health services yeah um changing the legislation or campaigning to change the legislation that uh can criminalize people of color or are you know make the mental health treatment completely mm. different for people of color those are some of the things that I, I want to fight for because those are the things that i'm actually passionate about yeah and um, making sure that you know like health is equal it is not a privilege oh for sure and it doesn't matter where you are but then see the goals that i have the things that i'm attaining to are the things that empower that actually are rooted from what i've been taught yeah and then i'm going forward to impact the next generation the next generation and yes like my lifestyle is my lifestyle is completely different from my parents but i don't diminish that lifestyle oh yeah and i think that's what she did yeah. um and before we were talking about um healthcare mm-hmm. professionals ensuring every from every person from each ethnicity mm-hmm. has a good treatment no matter yeah. who they are yeah um and one of the things that we saw at the start of um the book was basically um queenie had had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and the healthcare professionals just didn't seem to empathy it, there wasn't any empathy but there just wasn't any acknowledgement of the situation that's happened mm-hmm. um and that as well links to um, Beyonce when she was giving birth in her Netflix documentary I know it was stated that like she had lots of complications mm-hmm. and the healthcare professionals failed and there was a Guardian article written mm-hmm. saying if Beyonce can't get the correct healthcare what is the fate for the rest of us yeah. because in terms of deaths during um, during pregnancy, the actual giving birth process mm-hmm. it's double for black women yeah. compared to white women yeah. so it's the same it's in a, America. Yeah, well. and it's Actually just more in America. It's a scary acknowledgement that like some people just think, oh, she's whining a bit more. Or I think it's just again that sort of mentality that as black women we're meant to be strong. We're never seen to be crying. We're never seen to be sad. Mm-hmm. Whilst other people from different races, like you look at some people, Bridget Jones, literally, that woman cried through the entire movie. And it was if, fine. And it was fine. But if um, it was somebody from like a black race was meant to cry to that, they'd be like, no, you can handle that. You've been through some things. Yeah. And it's kind of the continuous minimization of the trauma that we've been through mm-hmm. because of the acknowledgement of saying you've been through worse so yeah. this should mean nothing to yeah. you yeah. you are stronger than this and I think it's 
from a long time it's the way in which we use to pick ourselves up and understand that this society might not always be for us mm -hmm. so we have to be better mm -hmm. but there has to be a point that we stop and understand that like now we've been through some stuff and we have to work through it yeah. and again I think that's where it connects to healthcare mm -hmm. that people expect you to be stronger than the average woman people expect you to be fiercer even when it came to Serena Williams giving birth, she oh, had yeah. loads of complications, but I'm sure lots of people thought, this is Serena Williams. This woman is like a beast. This woman trains and stuff. Like, she doesn't need this. And there's less of a consideration because they think you can handle more. Mm -hmm. And that's when deaths come about when it comes to pregnancy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is very true. And I listened to this um, podcast, which I listen to health podcasts as well because I'm such a geek. Anyway, um, and this lady went into America and um, she was talking about breast cancer survivors and actually people who are going through treatment and stuff and the experiences that um, African American women had where people, where African American women had to actually diminish who they are. Yeah. They had to diminish their power so that they can feel heard by the healthcare professional. So playing into the whole white savior complex. Yeah. So being like, like understanding that I have breast cancer. I understand that my body's not right, right? <coughs> Sorry guys. However, there's some doctors who actually don't even acknowledge that and actually having to fight to get a diagnosis of breast cancer. Yeah. And a diagnosis, not even like the treatment for it. And fighting for treatment, that's a whole other thing. And what she found was that the more educated you are, the more likely you are to actually get the treatment, the more likely you are to feel um, empowered to actually fight for your treatment. And I was like, what the absolute heck? Mm. That sometimes if you don't know, like they won't direct you because they seem to be so many services for other people. But first of all, getting like black African people to go to doctors is a mission in its own self. And then for you to get the diagnosis, sometimes the people just don't know what to do with you. So they're just like, oh, if, if I just say nothing, she'll go away. And that's what quite a lot of health medical professionals mm -hmm. tend to do because you're someone that they've never dealt with. So mm -hmm. like, okay. it might go away. I kind of understand why, like, I think most African parents, they push us into, like, the healthcare sector, like, oh, become a doctor, become a nurse, da 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 type of thing, right? And it's more of, like, oh, a status thing. Yeah, so they can oh, say, my daughter's a doctor. My son, the lawyer. Type of thing. But I feel like we should be empowered to go into those professions so that we can actually be in a position where we can create change. Yeah. Not um, be empowered, not for status, but for change, for absolute change where we can actually tell people who look like us people not i'm not saying like we're all going to be racist and run like black owned you know healthcare companies um but like i'm saying if a patient who looks like me walks through that door i'm likely to understand their experience because we have shared com commonalities within mm. our culture as a cultural thing yes you may be um afro-caribbean or is i'm african but mate we can fight about how to pronounce plantain yeah you know and um those experiences you can't have them with certain people and uh i don't know we should if i'm gonna encourage my kids to go into medicine and mm. or going to law and stuff i don't want them to go for status i don't want them to go for money i want them to go so that they can create change yeah and i think again that's difficult because there's so much um systematic oppression that occurs yeah. 
where let's say for example there was a recent case where there was a lady and she was struck off because of so many years in the healthcare system basically there was a little boy who had um, I think it was Down syndrome mm -hmm. and he'd come in for like a routine cough and then she'd given him medication for something else mm -hmm. but she was never informed that he was allergic to one of the ingredients yeah. inside and that led to him having a cardiac arrest and because the um, ward was so understaffed she was dealing with multiple children so one of the children had a do not resuscitate order on his bed and she was literally everything's beeping like your heart's racing and stuff so she goes to his bed and she's thinking he's the do not resuscitate order that they put on him and then it ends up leading to the boy's death um so basically um it went to trial and stuff and they did a whole um inquiry onto what had happened mm -hmm. and they basically found so many failings by the hospital mm -hmm. so many failings by the um by the leading yeah, consultant yeah. um there and um she basically said her wrongdoing she was like as medical professionals we're told that we have to continuously reflect to see where we went wrong mm -hmm. and she listed all things wrong and then in the end she ended up being struck off the register for life um and then there was a huge campaign that started trying to get her put on because mm -hmm. so many doctors spoke out and said the condition of the NHS right now, we are understaffed. Yeah. Um, we just have so few resources yeah. and we are tired. Like yeah. at that point when she was dealing with that boy, mm -hmm. she'd been in that shift 12 hours on her feet oh doing gosh. the work and yeah. she'd just come back from maternity leave yeah. and she was meant to have a consultant with her 24 oh, seven yeah. until she gets back into routine. But that consultant was called away to some other patients, yeah. which is showing to what extent like they just weren't enough doctors and there was a large position going on of many doctors saying like that could have been me easily yeah. um and even people saying these are mistakes that i have made that could have led to deaths mm -hmm. and unfortunately like we say doctors are these people have lots of knowledge and stuff but at the end of the day they're human and sometimes they do make mistakes mm -hmm. and the issue i found with this is that she was a black woman yeah she was a black muslim woman so i felt as though she was an easy scapegoat when it came to the situation mm -hmm. of um I can't remember what the body is, the... GMC? Yes, the GMC General basically... Yeah, they basically used her as a scapegoat of saying, look, we're taking action, when the actual situation is that the NHS is understaffed. Mm -hmm. um, and she's now being able to go back... Uh, restricted places yeah. until she can like build up the experience again. But I'm like, this woman has literally sacrificed 15 years of her life to yeah. become a doctor, Fine. and with situations that she wasn't even in control mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. this has occurred and obviously like it's off for the family mm -hmm. but they used her as a scapegoat in the healthcare system and again like I see we should make change and stuff mm -hmm. but like there is a systematic oppression that's going on with certain people in the healthcare profession. Yeah like within my clinic like when you're saying that that could have easily happened to me as a nurse mm -hmm. and um, because from the NHS is understaffed and it doesn't help that um, the medical profession can only have so many doctors so that it retains its value being a doctor um, that within nursing right now you have to pay to actually study and become um, a nurse and people are leaving the profession people are actually burnt out people are actually leaving because they're sick um, people are leaving because they're tired and um, it's not helpful that some members of the public as well they scrutinize the nhs and yeah they say oh we're not doing enough we're doing our best i know my thing is like i'm not scrutinizing somebody who's sacrificed 15 years no. of their life to become a doctor yeah. like the the issue is tough 
You have to deal with every Tom, Dick and Harry that walks in and is sticking pencils here, there and everywhere. And then you have to deal with somebody like the emotional side, like to know that like, let's say for example, you've done all you can do and still that person's died, like that yeah. stuff eats at you. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why people, firstly, they're not medically trained, so they don't understand the situation. Mm-hmm. For the people who know what's going on, let them assess if this person did something wrong mm-hmm. or was it generally a mistake? Yeah. And that's one thing that like, I see your point is though, like yeah. when people get into the industry, they have to change it. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like especially in healthcare, there's so many, so, so much red tape oh nowadays God, yeah. that it's difficult to have an impact. Yeah. And some people just try to stay in the hustle it's more than anything. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens within, you know, the next 20, 30, 50 years of we my hope. career. But um, yeah, moving forward, like in regards to even going back to the breakups yep. with Tom, um, how have I, oh, how have you dealt with breakups before? I haven't. Uh, this has been the first person I've ever wanted to commit to, so I haven't. Back to you. Uh, breakup sense. Breakups. I got ghosted on. Yeah. He's trash. If you're listening. That was fun. It was fun. It got to a point where I actually had to put on my big girl pants and be like, "Listen, um, I don't know. Maybe it's for, it was for my own closure or anything, but it was more like." If you don't want to be with me, if you don't want to spend time with me, have the audacity to actually tell me. Yeah. Be be grown up enough to actually have the audacity to tell me, not just disappear on me. Because at the end of the day, um, I don't know, did I do something wrong? Mm. Um, did you just not fancy me? Did you just fizzle out? If it fizzles out, have the audacity and the maturity to actually say that. Yeah. Um, he didn't, but I did. I ended up, I was like... I can't do this anymore because at the end of the day, I can't wait for somebody to actually want to be around me. I can't yeah. wait for somebody to actually want to spend time with me. So I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm not asking to be around you all the time. Mm. I'm not asking you to, you know, call me all the time or text me all the time. I was just, you know, like the acknowledgement that I am your girlfriend. And um, he didn't. So when he ghost, like, when he ghosted, because he ghosted for like two months where we actually like the communication was very very low key mm-hmm. towards the end when the breakup eventually happened i no longer had any emotion towards him and that's good boy bye like the words of beyonce yeah like i broke up with him while i was still in a relationship with him does that make sense okay yeah like I, like you were emotionally like, finished like i was finished like three four months in i was done i was out and then i was like oh maybe he will change maybe eight weeks went by i was like i'm too young for this <laughs> <laughs> to be having such high blood pressure yeah i was like to this boy i was like now nah, i gotta get my a levels and everything and i was like um nice knowing you absolutely you. you're done Finished. And my life won't flourished. It flourished. It's still, it's still you're here chopping life. Mm-hmm. Chopping well, not right now. You're in the library right now. Yeah, but very soon you'll be chopping life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just as um, I guess a final few points. Mm-hmm. Um, my one thing is, what do you think of the depiction of white people? And I'm speaking in regards to there's one sexual partner that she had, mm-hmm. which was a black man, and he had a wife who was it a was white a woman, but he just said she was skinny and everything. No, he was Pakistani. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. From what I read, I thought he was a black man. No, he was and she, she never slept with a black man. That's another tilter for another day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he was like, I, I, I like these big batty girls. Big batty. Yes. Who would say? Who, which actually London boys? That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. why I assume you know, that he was Pakistani. He was his her neighbor, and then um, 
he had a wife really really slim and she didn't have a big body that's why he didn't well that's why he went for queenie oh okay mm-hmm. fairs but i still um oh so there was one part um where she was at a party and um she had a friend and from what i could read is that it was mainly a party full of like just white people mm-hmm. and some of her best friends were white people so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a bad thing but um they made a tinder profile basically for her mm-hmm. and they were using certain phrases and words show to characterize show if your sass or um you have such full lips or you've got such a naturally curvaceous figure and i feel as though it's just politically correct ways of I guess marginalizing her into a certain box, into a certain category, yeah. and the fetishization that mm-hmm. goes on, especially on the app, just like, oh, you're just like a big bar of chocolate. I'd love to lick you, and just certain phrases of just like things not to say to a black woman. Please That's why I characterize that. them as. <gasps> There's this meme that I saw. It said, um, "When a white boy slides into your DM and says, hello, hi, Frappuccino Princess,' I was like, what? Like you caramelized Frappuccino chocolate princess? I was like." Am I food? Excuse I know I'm a snack, but like, come on, like, not for you. Not for you. I was like, uh, but bah. Literally, in <laughs> the depiction of them, I like, feel some part accurate. Yeah. That there's certain people in the first. I've had that. <laughs> in what scenario? Okay, so I was, I think I was like 16, 17. No, actually, I was younger than that. I was 15, and I was going to school, mm-hmm. and these two over 18 white men not boys white men they were like oh you are it love and at the time i was like oh they're just being friendly i'm like i'm fine thank you keep it moving type of thing and then turns to his friend is like hey i've never had one of those chocolate lasses and i was like yeah it's really one of those things that like we're a commodity we're not even human anymore it's, it's we're like, just a possession or a thing it's, to be used it's like i just want to have this experience and yeah then move on and I'm there's like, no commitment or consent is there it's literally just a, an experience an experience so like a friends. trip at disneyland yeah that's what we are and then you can tell your friends but like, oh, i've had i've slept with a black woman and and were what who cares for what and yeah that's a theme that seemed to go on that they kind of treated her as an object more oh, than yeah. a person like an object to be thrown around to be used to be mm-hmm. abused to kind of be picked apart mm-hmm. and um she allowed some of it in yeah. fairness she did yeah she consented and allowed to it so she's partially responsible but still like you shouldn't their part in the abuse shouldn't be diminished just because she also consented to being part of it yeah um i feel like she because of the lowest self-esteem that she had mm-hmm. at that time, that led to her becoming objectified and saying, one, one of the things that actually broke my heart was, she says, um, because she didn't allow or let love in from Tom, she deserves to be treated as a sex object where she's told, bend over, do this, that type of thing, mm-hmm. where she's no longer actually, um, like she's, a, sex thing for the men where she does not get pleasure they get pleasure from her yeah and it's not vice versa and actually going through the friendship even some of her friends as well um when one of her girlfriends actually oh you haven't finished it have you oh no just keep going oh, okay um so one of her girlfriends um finds out that her man is the guy who violently had sex with her oh the guy my like, lord guy. yeah and then she chooses him she chooses to move away Trash. with him um because Queenie always has the drama and Queenie is always all about Queenie and um, finally she found a man and she chose her 
her man over her friend yeah and then a couple of months after she comes back she's like actually he was trash he started cheating on me immediately when we moved away and we're like mate he was cheating on you when, when you guys were in london that That's wasn't what I'm gonna saying. change and again that shows self-esteem issues for her yeah because just disconnect that that was your friend mm-hmm. your man has been sleeping mm-hmm. with some other woman woman mm-hmm. so deep your life really mm-hmm. deep your life you're fighting over a man that doesn't even want you mm-hmm. Literally, a man that does not want you, you are just a player on the roster. Like You're not even first round pick. Father, the name of Jesus protect me from any tomfoolery of any man. Not Imagine, your, your, whole, your whole chest not, like, to be, not even to be MVP of the team. My friend, I am too educated for that nonsense. Imagine. <sighs> Imagine your whole that. life. Jesus died for you. Not to, to be a side chick. To not even be MVP. Of the team. Oh, also, guys, you are not the prize. You aren't like legit. You are not the prize. They're, because this guy treated himself as if he was this prize. Like, oh, um, Queenie, you know, like, well, Queenie's just my thing that I get to slip with. And then her friend, as if like he was big man. I was like, you're not. Like, it's not that deep, bro. Um, but yeah, I think like the last theme that this kind of covered was consent. Oh. Yeah. Um, emotionally, physically, obviously, like she consented to things happening, but emotionally she wasn't. Yes, I don't think she emotionally ever consented to anything, but she physically allowed it all to happen. Yeah, and because I think going back to that scene, the brutal scene, (sighs) to me, like that sounded like rape. It did. It really did. Legally, it wasn't. Because she consented she to it. She kept saying yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But emotionally, it just it, it, it wasn't right. Personally, it felt like she was sexually abused. Mm. And it's a weird one because it won't go down in court because she obviously agreed to it. She obviously and then even she when she went to the, him again. Even again. when she went to the clinic, she was like, "No, yeah. I consented to yeah. it." But she just wasn't in the right headspace for any of that to be mm-hmm. happening. And really, if she'd spoken to people, they'd be like, now nah, we're getting you out of this situation. Mm-hmm. But because she, I guess she chose not to go and reach out to people, I think her friends were kind of trying. But then equally, I just don't think they wanted to mess with her because she thought she, they, they thought she was drama. Yeah. So they're like, I'm not involving myself in this because the minute I start, like, mm-hmm. I can't get out of her drama because that's what Queenie does. Mm-hmm. That's what she is. This book, I love, you know, but bring it all back. Yeah, honestly, it's a beautiful uh, book. It's a beautiful book, and I feel like everybody should listen to it. Um, because it highlighted so many things where I was like, what the absolute heck? Mm. And some parts I was like, oh, get it, sister. Um, I love when she comes, I think you should, when you finish it, you will get it. Um, but uh, it's a beautiful book. Thank you, Candice. Oh, for sure. And we'll be sure to link it in the show notes because yeah. BBC Sounds have made like a podcast version yeah. of a girl reading the book out and it's honestly amazing. But yeah, mm-hmm. this was a really good depiction of, um, I guess, some of the issues that like black African Caribbean women go through. Mm-hmm. But as women, some of the issues that we have when it comes to attachment, when it comes to childhood trauma and that kind of manifests when you're mm-hmm. older in age mm-hmm. and how that kind of um influences the way you act when it comes to certain people not even just men just like authority figures when it comes to friendships how you treat those um so i think just for anybody to listen to these lots of mirrors of my life that i saw in that yeah um and yeah i really enjoyed the book it was absolutely amazing yeah me too yeah i loved it i loved it i loved it it was um it was one of those situations where i was like <laughs> listening to it really um it struck so many several 
towards either because I can relate to it or either like just feeling for her mm-hmm. and getting angry for her and um it's lovely when you have something like that like yeah that is connected you can connect to such like that and um I loved it I really Absolutely. did um I would make my sister really when she's older because I think she's too young at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like when she's older, I highly recommend it. And then that way, hopefully, she will recognize certain patterns. Like, just stay away from a man like you know guy or something like that, or man like Tom. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, you don't want his trash comes in all packages, guys. Yes, like you don't want to be. I was saying this to my mom. I was like, I never want to get married into a family that they have to bear with me or tolerate me Literally. no I want them to respect me to like me to mm. love me I don't want to be tolerated what am I a Tory <laughs> again amazing episode mm. super relatable well in some aspects not like the Tom and the Tom mm. family aspects yeah. but yeah we're just going to close in the prayers always guys mm. Sens would you like to pray yes Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for this time to actually come together and talk about all things mental health all things that people go through out there in the world lord almighty i'm praying over this situation in regards to sri lanka in ireland and everything that's been in the news this week that god that may you grant your peace upon that uh, that situation and also actually may you comfort the people who have lost their loved ones the people who have lost um the fathers their children and everything god i cannot imagine what they're going through but i know that you're still a servant god you're still a god who's on the throne lord praying for women who actually have gone through um sexual abuse sexual trauma and women who and men who actually are still seeking for their identity out there in the world lord almighty they know that they are loved by a good father that they're made in your image lord that they're made by a god who actually appreciates them who made them into a perfect masterpiece and know that actually they deserve to be treated like the child of god that they are, they are lord in your mighty name so jesus amen amen um so where can they find the sense they can find us on instagram on spotify and on itunes just such we have no idea or on instagram it's at whni underscore and our personal handles um is the life of cheeky and i am sans so i a s e n z um also we are on facebook so please be sure to go and like our page it will be in the show descriptions below so just go down there and again itunes reviews give us five stars guys it really does help out yeah um love you all thank you so much have an absolutely blessed week you too bye